You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to episode number 79 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Welcome to Living the Dream. I'm your host, Rory O'Malley. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. As always, please rate and review. Tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, I love having these conversations, so I really appreciate when you guys spread the word about them. Uh, My guest this week is my good buddy, Oak. Oak was the original Hercules Mulligan slash James Madison in a little show called Hamilton. And I just love this guy. He is a big teddy bear. And he's big. And he's a teddy bear. And he was so sweet to me when I joined the cast of Hamilton because I was coming into the show about eight months into the run when it was a huge phenomenon already. And Jonathan Groff was leaving early. And I talked to this about this a little bit with him. But he was so sweet to me and really welcomed me and would come into my dressing room every show and talk and, and get to know me. And I just so appreciated that because those guys were working so hard. And uh, everyone was nice. But Oak truly, truly loved coming in and, and, and uh, shooting the shit with me, as you say. Um so it was great to get to have him on the podcast. He is now on ABC in their hit show, Station 19, the Shonda Rhimes show, the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy, playing a fireman. And uh, he's just a really good actor. He's a great musical theater performer, and he's got a really great look on the business. And I didn't know his story, and it's it's pretty amazing. Um, he got in a lot of trouble at school and had a lot of trouble with authority, as he says. And it's really remarkable that he is where he is now. And um, I'm proud to call him a friend. And I think the world of him, this is my buddy, Oak. I just said, Rory asked me to do something. And I just say, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't that's know why I love is, you, Oak. That's I why I, I love you. Where are you now? Are you on set? Uh, no, we just had our the holiday shindig with the, the whole crew, and I'm back at home in my apartment, um, just relaxing like a mofo. Oh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. How is it? We're, we're recording, by the way. We've already started. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, how is it being on a big-time TV show? After being a theater guy for so long, now you're on a hit TV show. The Shonda Rhimes show on ABC, Station 19. What's it like? How much has it changed your life? Um, it's, it's, it's changed my life just in the fact that I've had to uproot and leave my yeah. home. To come out here, I, I actually, within a week, I, I auditioned for this on a Tuesday. And then the next Tuesday, I was on a flight out to shoot the pilot. So I was on a flight out to live in L.A. for six weeks to shoot a pilot. And that's yeah. when I saw you on the street because I was doing yes. Hamilton at the Pantages. Yes. And you were, I was so excited to see you. It was thrilling. Yes, I was, yes. They put me, I was across the street at the W Hotel. Yeah. yeah. It was all just, just, it was just lightning, lightning fast. That was a year ago. Yeah, that was a year wow. ago. How are you adapting to the schedule? Because it's very different 
but it's mm-hmm. still long. It's long hours, but it, but at least you have weekends. Like it's it's different than yeah. theater, different kind of uh, of challenge. It is. I mean, yeah, it is. It, it exercises different muscles. Weekends are extremely nice. It's yeah. nice weekends. It's good to have weekends, but it's also hard because you're you're just on call. Yeah. For about eight months, you're just on call and. Um, and that's hard, and it's easier to schedule time away in theater because you have understudies, and that's part of the framework. But in film, you know, there's no such thing as an understudy. So yeah, like, it's just you. It's, it's funny when I'm in doing TV, I always, I always find myself going, "Oh, when my understudy goes on, or when the other actor goes on, you're used to sharing the experience of playing mm-hmm. the character with another actor, and there yeah. is no one. There is no, no one else." No, there isn't. So if the schedule says we need you here now, that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not only that, they're just it's just so much bigger than you. Like the network is putting in millions and there are all these crew people and there are hundreds and hundreds of people. There are a lot of people in theater too, but um, there's just a lot. There's a lot of money at stake. So, you know, if I just say, hey, can I really go to my sister's wedding? It's like, okay, cool. But if you don't show up, we can't shoot. And that's mil- literally, millions. literally millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's 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 hard in that as in that in that aspect where you're kind of really beholden to the schedule. Like when they call you, they call you. But if they don't need you for a week, that's great. But if they need you for a week, it kind of doesn't matter what else is going on that week. Right. For a week. It's not the same as the show must go on. <laughs> it's like the show can't no, go on unless your face is up on the screen. Yeah. Um. So what about artistically? Like, how has it changed? Um your performance or your approach to acting? Um, I will say that I've, I've noticed that even like network TV is its own beast. Yeah. Um, because as you know, it's all about, they, they want to bang out these episodes. So there's, there's much more of a time crunch. Yeah. So I just find, uh, it just forces me to be very flexible in a way that I haven't been in terms of, as an actor on stage, we have freedom of movement. We're our own editors. So yeah. if I want to take a beat, extra long beat, I take an extra long beat. I get a note, and then tomorrow I'm like, eh, maybe I might take the note or not. But at the <laughs> end, you know, but at the end of the day, you you are your editor. You are, mm. you know, you are your DP. You you, yeah. you set up the shots by how you place your body on stage and and all of those things. And it's humbling because in TV and film, I, one thing I notice as an actor is I, I lost the freedom of movement. Meaning I may feel like in this moment emotionally, I should like throw my hands up and kind of like pace back and forth. But they're right. like, hey, that's cool. But we're shooting it this way. So you have to look at it this way. And if you do it that way, we have this many setups and we have to get it from so many different angles. Right. And so it just turns out that even your performance is, is, is tailored by others. And they've spent like 20 to 30 minutes lighting with a yeah. stand-in for you, so you don't want to mess up the lighting and yes, yeah, yes, all of that. So even if I'm like, oh no, I got a good thing, it's like, yeah, that's cool. But we already shot the master and we did the coverage on the other side, so I'm really glad the scene really hit you in a certain way. But you got to do what you kind of initially set out to do. So it, it, it's definitely restrictive in in those ways, but it's also really freeing because you can make as many mistakes as you want. Not that you're trying to, but there aren't really mistakes. Like you just have to keep trying to find the best take, the best moment. So, I mean, that's kind of freeing, no? And it, and it is freeing in that sense because on stage, as you know, like you have one night and it's really great and everything was hitting and popping and like, great, that's awesome. I don't think I could do, you know, you like, I don't want to get in my head to try and recreate it. You can, but you still have to keep doing it, but it's nice to do it once and be like, that's in the bag. I never have to say those words again. I never right. have to do any of that stuff again. I did it once really, really well. And that's it. And it lives on infinity, infinity and beyond. And that aspect of it is nice when it hits, but it also, but the flip side is when you don't feel like you did your best, that's it. That's your decision. And it lives on for infinity, infinity and beyond. Right. Right. And with, with theater, uh, you have every night, the challenge of trying to find a better way to do it, a new way to do it. And uh, that's also your hell because you can never, you're never done. Your work is never done in theater. You know what? And you know what's funny? That's how I feel when like, I, I, I uh, no shade to anybody, but I always feel when it comes to any actor that's like, you know, on theater, they get bored. And I'm like, 
again, like what you said, you, if, if you're doing the work, there's no such thing as getting bored. Right. Because n- no one is, ev- no one has mapped out every single moment and it's completely alive in them. Like it takes time. Like every night you'll find something new and find something new and find something new. And you can always keep perfecting and being more present with who you're talking to, really listening. Cause like, we don't listen every single moment. But yeah. like that's that's the beauty of a long run is that then you can focus on every single moment. Say, yeah. am I listening and truly responding? And you, you you can constantly be trying to make it better or improve or more grounded or whatever, what have you. Well, let's talk about that that the last long run that you had in a little show called Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I feel like I feel like you did. Did you do that show? I, I did. I did. I feel like we spent a lot of time in my dressing room. I don't um, know. I feel like there was a pizza, I, maybe. There was. There was a lot of food involved. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I, I. I was actually just looking through old pictures, and I have the the blow up pizza that yep. was left in the room from yep. Groff. I don't even know what it was. I, I think that I think somebody told me, but I forget. And I turned it into a Christmas tree. Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, I decorated the room for the door decorating contest. And uh, I have pictures of you coming up to visit me, which you always did, which I from let me tell you something. From the the moment I walked in that door, you were nothing but lovely and sweet to me, and it meant so much to me because when you're the new kid at school and your school is full of students who are on this magic carpet ride through Broadway in, you know, flying high, it's it's kind of daunting to jump on the ride with them and feel like you can do that. And you were so welcoming and wonderful. Everyone was, but you really took the time to spend time with me in my dressing room and get to know me. And I just so appreciate that. Um, and it's, it's, it's who you are. You don't know any differently, but it meant a lot to me. And I just want to thank you. Oh, that's so great. It was, it was a pleasure and a joy. It was easy. It's easy when when people are kind and caring to like love on people when they got love in their hearts. Yeah, yeah. it it was it was a good group of of people, and obviously everyone knew how lucky they were to be a part of um, things at that at that moment in time. Um, but it was also you guys had been working on it for years. You know, it was workshops and 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 readings and mm-hmm. and different uh, incarnations. And you'd done it off Broadway, which is the first time I saw it was when you guys did it at the public. And you were about eight months into the run on Broadway when I joined the cast. Mm-hmm. How you, you talked a little bit about being able to con- constantly um, keep searching the character and keep you know reapplying yourself, and that's how you're able to do it. But eight times a week of Hamilton is different than a lot of other shows mm-hmm. because you need to. You are an athlete. You played football, right? When you yeah. were. Yeah. It's kind of similar to being an athlete, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I I, I tell that uh, I used to teach and whenever I would, I'd say, um, you know, it, it is. It, and, and, you know, like any actor knows you go to class and you do all those rolling around exercises and breathing and, you know, you open up your body and you loosen it up. Um, and it kind of sometimes falls away by the wayside kind of when you start working because not everyone's doing it and no one's like pressing you to do it. And you can roll in like five minutes before half hour and kind of still do your show. But if you train like an athlete, that's when it's fun because it, it, just, it just became my it just became my workout. It just yeah. became like I how can I hit this as hard as I can, as healthy as I can, make sure my breathing is connected. It's like if anyone who works out, you know, you had when you have a good run, like when you're going and your breath is connected and everything is hitting, it's the best. And 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 that's one aspect of it that I, I think is great to to really keep it fresh, just with the physicality of it. Yeah, and and then it just doesn't weigh on you so much. You know, and then it's not a belaboring workout because if you're warmed up and you're ready to go, then it's like, great, I'm going to hit it. It's an awesome workout. People are screaming. It's amazing. I'm going to go home and rest. That's when it's fun when your body, your instrument is prepared to do the job. You played two characters in Hamilton, as, as many of your castmates did. But I was so impressed by your choices for both of the characters. And honestly, you're James Madison to me was, I was in awe of it because your Hercules Mulligan, it was, you know, the, it was the, the, uh, the rebel, the like, you know, really big guy. And to me, that's like, that's you, you know, like I can see, mm-hmm. I can see so much of you and him, your James Madison was so poised and, and older and you had to 
find that completely in your physicality and and parting your hair. That, yeah. that was that that was the secret weapon. Uh, to be real, it was the part. The part <laughs> is the shoulder. <laughs> That's where we always hung out at, at intermission when I was yeah, getting my yeah. wig checked we, on. And, and, yeah, and we read Pima. Pima shows her. Right. We would read um our little Pima book with our our uh, hair supervisor, mm-hmm. Fred. Um, Pima Shaldron, um, the pocket book of just different Buddhist monk mm-hmm. uh, sayings and little w- wisdom. And that was actually very, that was beautiful. That was one of the most beautiful parts of my experience. I'm not going to lie. It it really was. Like, honestly, it, it really just going, it's almost like our own little meditative mantra where every day we'd read a different passage and it just kind of, it just grounded me in a way. And I was looking forward to it. Just, just everyday read and, and, and just kind of have that. Yeah, it was great. It was. You, it was you need to be grounded when you're having some some kind of crazy experience like Hamilton. You need to. I remember during Book of Mormon, I was reading a lot of Eckhart Tolle, um, A New oh, yeah. Earth, to just be present and make sure I was in that moment and wasn't looking for the next one. Instead, I was in the moment, in the now. And enjoying it, and it's 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 important to kind of have a spiritual practice too as an athlete. It is. I'm really just trying to get you to call me an athlete, since you're an actual athlete with sports. That um, this is as close as it's ever going to get for me. No, you you are also an <laughs> you you are you're an emotional athlete. It's hard. <laughs> no, honestly, all jokes, folks. Listen up. It's tough because the king. It's like a stop and start. Now imagine like a workout where someone says, okay, you're going to run for 10 minutes. Okay, now stop for like an hour and a half. Do whatever you want. And then they just knock on your door like, okay, another 10-minute run. Yeah. That's basically like what it – it's really hard to do that. It, it was definitely the challenge of the show for me for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. It's, I mean I always applauded you, Groff, Andrew Reynolds, all – like anyone who did it because it's like you just have to like just ramp up because we don't stop. So you have to come in and kind of meet that energy without doing everything that we're doing on stage to get it. So you just kind of have to like literally flip a switch on, bang it out, and then like turn the switch off and then just flip that fucker on again. It's not easy stuff. No, you know what I would do to to help was to go into the wings before I would make an entrance and watch you guys and feel the energy of you guys on stage and the audience, which was so incredible. That's so um, smart. It, I mean, it was the only way I was, I, I'm just used to being in the opening number, being in mm-hmm. the beginning of a show so that we're mm-hmm. kind of starting as a team and not being this uh, solo player. Um, but, you know, again, getting to hang out with you um, throughout our time backstage, which you had very little time backstage and um, you always come in to visit me actually really helped because that it's the most isolating role I've yeah. ever played where you're just kind of on your own. And I always was like, I don't want to be in people's way, people who are actually working. So I'll just hang out in my room. People can visit if they want to. No, it was, it was, it was welcoming. I mean, you, I mean, hindsight, you know, you, you could have always bugged us and, and we're fine. And it's, 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 and that's the thing about it. That I, I, when I talk to people about the show, I said Hamilton was made up of, in every show, there's someone who's the hardest working person. Now take that person for every show and then put them in this show. Right. Basically what you have. Everyone. Yeah. And then everyone who came in, you were the same way, Andrew. Anyone who came in, like every, it, like just all pros who just stepped up and like, oh, okay, this is the room. Oh, everyone works hard as fuck? Great. And then everyone yeah. just like, they just jumped in and they're like, oh, that's, you know, you always have that show. It was like, oh, I got to bring my A game. And everyone did. Every single person did. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about where you came from. You were born in New Jersey. You grew up in New Jersey? I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Newark, New Jersey. I graduated from West Orange High School. Nice. Um, so not too far from the city? Not far from the city. Did you go in to see Broadway shows? or? Uh, I got in trouble a lot in high school. So whenever um, they would have school trips, I always got suspended for something. And if you get suspended at all, it negates you from going on the big school trips. So ah. second grade, literally until 12th grade, I got suspended every year. And I was never able to go on any of the trips. From second grade to 12th grade, you got suspended every year, Oak? Yeah. My sweet Oak? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Now, I can't even imagine that. I did. I did. Well, was it because um, you didn't follow the rules or you were 
like uh, energetic? It was, it was, I had a real problem with authority. Uh-huh. So I would always talk back. And um, I was very biting and rude. And I didn't, it was hard for me. If I didn't, if I didn't feel as if you were, I was kind of a smart ass. And if I didn't feel like you were as smart as I was, I just dismissed you completely in the most rude way. Mm-hmm. And that's what always get me in trouble. Huh. Like subtle insults to teachers or, or back talking or getting smart or, or whatever, what have you, cursing someone out at like a baseball game, like wh- whatever it, it was. And I was very confrontational when I was younger. Like anything, I'd be like, cool, it's on, like Donkey Kong. Wow. Like, I am so glad that something has changed because I would not want to have to meet confrontational Oak. Yeah, no, no. You're yeah. a teddy bear to me, so I can't even imagine. Well, I am because I feel like I got it all out of my system. Unfortunately, everyone who knew me during grade school experienced it. But I, I think, yeah, I think it's it, it was good to experience that then and just to see like, oh, that doesn't solve anything. What what, like, it, I, what changed? How did you see that? Um, I actually, I literally remember getting to, it was eighth, it was either like ninth grade. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I remember... I didn't have any friends in middle school because I alienated everybody because I was just like, so just cut. I was very mean. Yeah. Um, and I just said, you know what? This is lonely. And I was nice to this girl named Sabrina. And then she was like, Oh my God, I really, you're like, you're really nice. She was like, I was always afraid of talking to you, but she was just very nice. And it was just like a nice feeling to have someone to actually talk to. And that kind of like made me realize like that defense, it just wasn't solving anything. I wasn't happy. I, I didn't have many friends. And I said, what am I doing this for? So that helped in terms of my peers. In terms of like trouble with authority, I didn't really learn that until I left high school. But in just terms of being kindness with like just friends and peers and people around you and everyone's not out to get me. Um, and that kind of came in ninth grade and I kind of worked on that. And then I, like, my trouble with authority kind of ironed itself out once I got to college. And where did you go to school? I was at Mason Grove School of the Arts for a year. Uh-huh. Their conservatory. And uh, I was kicked out of that program. Uh, because the director of the the program more or less just kind of said, you know, this isn't, maybe I should try and do something else. He said, you should try and do something that's not acting. And he meant, and he said it with all the love and it was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. But he, uh, he said, you know, try something else. Maybe acting isn't for you because, you know, I grew up playing football and sports. So there were these, there were these other kids and like, and, and just a straight acting program is very different from musical theater acting. So these kids are just like open and crying about like how their mom never like hugged them. And, you know, and everyone's like so emotional. I'm like, why are y'all crying? Like, I'm here to like learn how to act and be on TV like Denzel. I'm not trying to hear cry about my mom and shit. Like, so like I was very guarded and, and blocked and closed off. Um, so my direct, yeah, he was like, you know, do something else. Cause he's like, you know, you don't have the vulnerability and, 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 and all of those things. Uh, so I went to the Esper studio in New York and I just continued studying and, Karen Chamberlain was my teacher and she was just kind of like, you know what, just stick with it. She said, you know, colleges will say whatever, but she's like, if this is what you want to do, it's what you want to do. And I come from an immigrant family. So it, it was hard. I had to tell my mom because, you know, I went there on the conserv- through the conservatory. Right. So when I got kicked out of conservatory at Rutgers University, I, I applied for the School of Arts and Sciences, but academia is not really my strong point. So I didn't really get into that. So I was kind of in no man's land. I was still part of Rutgers, but not part of any school within Rutgers. Right. So it's hard. I told my mom and I was and you know, as an immigrant, I'm Nigerian. They're like college, 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 college. And, right. You know, it's, it's important to have people on your side. So my mom, I was crying. I was devastated. And my mom was like, look, she was like, you don't have to cry. It's fine. You'll figure it out. Do something else. So I, I just stuck with it in, in New York. And, uh, and then I just, I, I started working and like down off off Broadway shows, the shipment was the first thing I did in New York with Young Jim Lee, and from that I did Neighbors of the Public. But really, my story has just been slow. It's been a slow, steady pace from off off Broadway to an off Broadway show to a couple of regional shows to coming back and doing like a, a show further uptown. And if my Broadway debut was like I was in the ensemble, I didn't have a line, and I was covering three people. It's really been that ladder of climbing, but it's only 
because I made a choice. The moment that director told me I should do something else. You know, when you're 18, 19 years old, I go to this conservatory and I'm like, if I can't make it there, this person knows, he's seen a lot of actors. Like, what am I doing? But the moment he said that, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna do this and I made that choice, then no no in the future could ever deter me. You know, there's nothing any casting director, there's nothing any director, there's nothing any producer, you know, there's nothing anyone can say to me at that point that hasn't been said. Right. So it was very freeing where I was like, actually, I don't care if you say no, I've been told no before by the one person I idolize and I'm still doing it. So I'm just going to keep doing it. It's amazing because I, I think that people don't realize that ev we all hear no, that everyone's hears no. And the people who quote unquote make it or continue going in this, in this uh, profession are the ones who don't let that stop them. Yeah. And you're going to hear it at some point and how amazing that you heard it so early on and you didn't let it have, it didn't make you crumble. Yeah. And, and that's the gift. And the gift is no man is an Island. Like I was very fortunate by the people around me and it's so important to have that person around you or in it, or be that person for someone, just yeah. be that person for someone and just say, Hey, you can do it. And it sounds cheesy as shit, but there's a reason why it's in all it's in movies. You know, it's a reason why that's a cheesy moment because I say to people, I'm literally a product of, of other people having faith in me and then me believing that. I wouldn't be here if, if, if Karen Chamberlain didn't say, keep going. I wouldn't be here if Mr. Farley, Mr. Champagne, my high school teachers didn't say, hey, I know you get in trouble a lot, but you're actually a good kid. You just got to find the thing that kind of focuses you. Like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have people along the way who kept saying, like, no, I see good in you. I see that you are capable. You just have to stick with it. Amazing. Have you been able to share your journey with them or, like, have teachers or people come to Hamilton and yeah. just be so proud? Yeah, yeah, I have. Well, I went back to high school um, when I was doing Hamilton. I think maybe like in the the second year of it, I did go back and spoke at the high school, and and it was really good to kind of heal that wound. Yeah, because I left on like part of my senior year. I got kicked out the last three weeks. They literally like, listen, if you don't come back, you don't have to take finals, but you just can't be here anymore. And I was like, deal. We all shook on it, and that was the end of my high school career. So it was nice to come back and you know, see the principal who's still there and shake his hand and silently give him like a fuck you with my eyes. And, and like, <laughs> you know, and, but like also, but then, and then just talk to other students and just be like, Hey, like I was a trouble. I was a quote unquote troubled kid. I right. was, you know, there, there were certain teachers and people who probably gave up on me because they're like, man, he's not, he's not going to go anywhere or he's not going to figure it out. Right. And it's like, say, Hey, you know, I'm, I can say I'm literally living proof that you can't, and if you just keep going, and even if I am that inspirational voice that I'm, I say you need, I will be it. Um, so it was, it was, it was great. And then also honoring my two teachers and, and tell them, you know, they came to see the show and I grabbed the beer with them, which is always weird, you know, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, we're drinking beers, but, and I tell them as much as I can and text them. Like I, I literally am a product of, of, of your kindness and your faith. Wow. We all have those teachers. And I think it's just so important to be able to relay that message back to them because whatever they get paid, it's not enough, you know? Yeah. So you, you had these, you said it was like small increments of your career little by little. In the meantime, you still had to feed yourself. How did you, did you have to find side jobs? How did you get by in New York city while you were acting? Um, well, I had I, I would teach at New Jersey Performing Arts Center, NJ Pack. They would have a summer intensive program where I would um, I started out assisting teaching for the acting program, mm -hmm. and then I became a co teacher, and then I had my own class in a musical theater program. So they had a musical theater program, and then I became the acting teacher for that, and that was the main way I would make money to kind of stretch it out. And then during the year, I worked for a promotional company called PMD Promotions, where I'd go around New York City and literally hang up posters in like stores. Wow. Yeah. And I would do that no matter. And we got paid based on how many posters we put up. Right. Right. I, did, I, pa I used to pass out things on the street. Did you ever have to do that? Uh, no, I did not do that. That's but this not, was that's like, a bad gig. <laughs> I mean, this one was rough because it was yeah. like, we were the postman. Like the, 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 our boss would just be like, literally be snowing. I'll never forget. I'd be in like wall street during a blizzard. So it's ice cold and narrow and I'm still going into stores like, Hey, can I put this poster up for like the new lady Gaga album? 
And some person would be like, no, get the hell out of here. Why am I doing this free publicity for Lady Gaga? And like I fight with vendors or certain vendors every time I come in, we'd have an argument. But like no matter what, we just have to do it. And I'd be on my, it was grunt work. I'd be yeah. on my 10 hours a day. And and like you would try to make your quota to make money. So I would stay out maybe six hours because like I just have to put five more posters to make a hundred bucks. So you just keep walking and going and like just just trying to get it done. Did you ever, when you were doing that work, did it ever dishearten you or uh, were you ever felt like, obviously for me, I had so many of those kinds of jobs. And when I look back at them, I'm like so grateful for them because that's the reason I was able to get to where I am. But yeah. when you're in it, it can feel really daunting and overwhelming. Did you ever get really down about it? Yeah. I mean, just, just the days where my body hurt and, and I was tired and, and, uh, and, and I didn't, and I just like, you know, when you need to go, I, I need to, there, I cannot not go to work because I need to make the money to pay my bills. So those, those days, those, those days were hard, but fortunately I was always working on something. And that's what I love about New York city is that there's work if you want it. Right. You know, there's, a, there's somebody creating something yes. somewhere. You, there's no such thing as you can't work. It may not be a Broadway show. It may not be an off Broadway show. You may get paid nothing, but there's work. So I always found myself working on something, something, a lot of stuff I didn't get paid for, but at, you know, if you have good people, everyone understands, you know, everyone has their day jobs and people were, a lot of people were temping then. So you work around it and you put these productions on and that's really what kind of kept me afloat. I'd go to work, do that and squeeze in rehearsal between like nine and 11 PM and, right. you know, have like a weekend of shows, but that is really what kind of kept me afloat. And then I was happy that I was able to pay my bills from my job job. What was your first um, acting job that you felt like, okay, I'm really getting somewhere or it, it felt like you were able to sink your teeth into something that was going to spark a career? Oh, uh, man, like it's, it's hard because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I only know that. It was show. like your third preview of Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like I only know that show was the thing that sparked my career because it yeah. sparked my career. But at the time, I just, I, I didn't think much of it. Uh, well, I think the first show that I really enjoyed singing my teeth in was this play called Who Am I by this theater company called Kuchi Panoy. And it was like downtown in one of like, like either like this, like the something shepherd, theater, one of those random, you know, there's so many random theaters downtown. Yeah. And this guy who wrote it, and I would go to Jersey City and literally rehearse my scene, and I played the God character in like this dude's living room. Nice. And um, but I I loved the scene because it was just free, and the actor I was working with was so much fun, and we kind of really just it was the first time I ever just everything disappeared, and I was just in a moment with a, with another person. Like I really didn't take in the audience at all throughout that run. It was, we were just sitting down talking fully invested as these people. And that can only happen because we were young and the director was young. So no one's nitpicking, you know, like right. no one's nitpicking or try to place you here or all that stuff. It's like, we don't really know what we're doing. So we're just going to be and have people watch. And that was the real, that, that was one of the first times where talking to people afterwards saying like how connected they were engaged with how free we were. Right. Oh, okay. This can work. Like this, this really, this really can work because I had a great time and people had a great time watching it. So this can really be something. Some of the, sometimes the, the most impressive pieces of theater, especially are those, those plays that are, you know, in, in small theaters where nobody's trying to get rich. Nobody's trying to make a commercial <laughs> success. They're just trying to have a human connection with another actor and with an audience. And it's some beautiful theater can be created in that way. Yeah. Dude, I mean, do-it-yourself theater where everyone's a stage manager, everyone's a sound designer, yeah. everyone's an actor. Like, we're all doing all the things, but it truly – it's almost like sports, back to sports, where, every, where we're all doing everything we can to put this thing up. You know, we're all coming in to paint the set for a little bit. Everyone – like, we're all doing it to make this thing happen. Um, you were in a very um, important – musical that I loved very much, but I, it was important because I brought one of my cousins who's never, who has only seen musicals that I've been, which are Book of Mormon and Hamilton. And I brought him to see Rocky, the musical, and it's the one he loves the most of all those. He's a big jock who's never seen anything, but it yeah. was so, it was so visually astounding and there were so many great aspects to it. Your training, though, for that show, the entire cast, the boxing, and the, the talk about being an athlete, 
it had to have been so intense. Can you talk a little about, bit about how you prepared for that show? Uh, it was very, it was very intense um, because uh, I actually got, I still box because of that music. Wow. Um, and I, I'll never forget because I basically got hired to be the understudy for Apollo Creed. Right. Because Terrence went to Germany, learned learned it all, and he came back, and uh, and I really, really wanted it. But they, more, I mean, more or less, they were like, "You're just here, just God forbid, in case anything happens." Because it was hard to find uh, someone who can believably play a boxer and then like sing. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's tricky. Someone who could sing and dance, do all that stuff, but it's like that that dude cannot fight his way to a paper bag. So it was very difficult to find someone who can embody those two things, and. Um, so I was able to to cover him, and I remember the audition. We had this. The audition was circuit training. So audition is general choreography, and then Hot Stephen Hoggett comes out. He's like, "Okay, we're going to do something different." And we'd have this this six minute circuit training where a minute you, they have different stations. So you have a minute of push ups, a minute of sit ups, a minute of uh, 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 burpees, a minute of lunges, and that's the audition. And then you have maybe like thirty seconds between each one. And I thought I was going to die. I completely blew out my shoulder doing it because I never physically exerted myself that much. And I was like, I'm not getting this audition. I'm not getting this audition. So like the audition's over and I get a call. Uh, uh, my agent gets a call and it says, you know, we really want Oak to do it and to understudy, but he needs to, to work out. He needs to get better. So um, what I did was uh, right before that, I did a play called Loose at Lincoln at LCT3 at Lincoln Center, where I played like this interior football player. But what I did during that process is I, I started working with a boxing coach at Trinity Boxing Gym downtown. And then I started actually doing that circuit training in my apartment by myself. So wow. every day I would do that whole routine and just to kind of like get used to it while I was doing the boxing training. Um, and that was my preparation. So the first day of rehearsal, Hoggett, he starts with the circuit training. We did an audition. He's like, okay, cool. Let's see where everyone's at. And it was like a really proud, proud, proud moment because I went through the whole thing. I was able to get through the whole thing and I didn't hurt my shoulder. I still had breath at the end. And then I just kept doing it every day, every day. I'd go down. Wow. I'd actually shadow box with Luis Salgado because he was also a boxer. And we'd shadow box every day before the show. We'd get in the ring before the pre-show, just kind of shadow box, warm up, go downstairs, just constantly keeping the upkeep because I actually went on during previews. Terrence, his voice was gone. Then they actually had to go out and buy suits. My costumes weren't finished. Wow. None of that was done. So they're like, you have to go. I never done the that final fight scene. I had never done it with Andy before. If anybody saw the show, you know that fight scene. And I oh, never. Right. Unreal. So the first time I did it with lights and all that stuff was the first time I went on. Oh, but I was only able to because I every day I would go through that fight scene. Every day I would just keep doing it and just just you just if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Yeah. That's, that's, but you know, it's one thing, like I've been an understudy and know you have to be ready. It's one thing to make sure, you know, the lines and the notes. It's another thing to know the fight choreography in a boxing ring that is literally going out into the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. It was absolutely insane. Was there, was there, I mean, I remember stories of Andy getting hurt. Was there a a lot of injuries or was it, or was it pretty much? Because yeah. there were a lot of injuries because it was kind of similar to what you went through with Hamilton with we a lot, you know, a lot of it was Andy. The, you know, you get to know Rocky. The first film is slow because you get to know him so much. But then we'd have these bursts where we'd come out and we'd be like all his doubles or I'd come out in like a, I'd have like a shadow boxing scene. So we'd rest and rest and rest and then go, 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 rest and rest and rest and then go, 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 go. Right. So it was, it, it was, it was hard in, in that aspect um, to kind of keep it up and, and, and keep it and keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it, you all had to keep go, go, going. It was an entire ensemble of, of people working their ass off the entire show. And, and like I said, my cousin Rob liked it way better than Hamilton and Book of Mormon. So. You know what? You know, I'm just, for the record, I loved, I loved that show. I think that show yeah. is amazing. I think that show should be right now. And I, and, and, and I think it was tough because, most of, I think, 80% of the people who saw Rocky were not theater goers. Oh, yeah. And they sure. loved it. They loved it, and they loved it because it was in that final fight scene, and I wish that we catered more to them right. and not to, like, the, the, the Broadway Tony crowd, which makes sense. 
you know, we like we wanted to cater to that crowd for awards and stuff. But really, I feel like if the show just diverted and said, you know what, we're just going to cater to like the people who don't come, all of the Rocky fans, the people who just want to have a good time. Like, let's just market it that way. I think that could have been um, it would have it would have helped. Well, you know, what's funny is that a lot of times with these movies being made into musicals, sometimes I like I know making a musical is, you know, makes more money and, and everything. But sometimes I'm like, you can musicalize a uh, a play and it's still like I, I don't know that you necessarily need to make everything a musical if you take a, a play and especially with actors like the, the caliber that you guys had in that play everyone had to work so hard and be so good because like you said having Rocky sing is really hard and that's why Andy Carl is so good because oh yeah he's able to make every single moment so believable but yeah I am, you know, like I, I wonder sometimes what the thought process is in like saying these characters have to be singing to put this on a Broadway stage. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I do. I, I, yeah. Like, I feel like you could have a Broadway play be a movie, but I, I know it's probably just, you know, it's, it's more, it's more like desirable for people to create musicals because those are more. Well, they just make more money, you know. But. And, and and it's also like I, I like I've recently realized, especially just with Hamilton, like the reason why musical works, it's because like you will always go see like a Beyonce concert, and you know the record, but right. it's different to see it live and then sing. It's the replay value of it. Aspect. Yeah. Where I'm like, that's why I think that's why Hamilton works in all the great musicals, Book of Mormon, Wicked, is because like the songs you can keep singing and listen to, and you you will always go back and see a live performance of your favorite artist. If Beyonce sh- it was in New York City every year, every year you buy a damn ticket, even though she could sing the same yeah. album every year, and every year you would buy the tickets and right. listen to her sing the same album that you listen to all year when she's not singing it on stage. Right. It's because the music moves you, and it's different to see it live, you know? And I know sometimes people say like, you know, is theater going to die? And I'm, I don't say it's never going to die because there's nothing that will ever replace just being in the presence of it. as right. Live emotion right. right in front of your face. Right in front of your face, in the room. What was the first time you heard the music of Hamilton? The first time I heard it was I was doing Rocky and I got a call about this show called Hamilton from the guy who wrote In the Heights. And I did not know what In Heights was. <laughs> I never listened to In the Heights. I had no idea. Uh-huh. But I said, okay, cool. Send me the music. And they sent me some of the demos. And I was like, this is, I've, this is like music I, I love and grew up with that yeah. I've never, ever heard, ever possibly come close to being on a Broadway stage. Right. And I was like, oh, there's there's rapping. And I actually went out for Washington because, you know, Chris Jackson was doing, I think he was doing Holler for Hear Me. Right. So I actually auditioned for Washington. And I went in and um, and I was talking to Alex Lackamore because I didn't know who Lynn was. And Alex was at the piano. So I just like, well, I guess that's Lynn. So I was like, <laughs> I was straight up just like directing everything to Alex and talking to Alex. And and then he was like, you know, look at Hercules Mulligan. And, and then they they wrapped it for me. He kind of gave me the cadence and what it is. And I was like, okay. And it just kind of sat in a way. And I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're, I got this. I got this. Um, Cause I grew up like freestyling and stuff. So I was like, okay, great. Again, I'm like, what? This is insane. I'm auditioning for a Broadway musical and I'm right. right. Never would think that was possible. Right. Um, and uh, I did it. And then um, uh, I, it was really great. And then my manager was like, yeah, you got it. And then they sent me the music um, all the other demos and I listened to it and I got to wait for it. And that's all I listened to until rehearsal. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Huh. And, but what was the rehearsal for what? For uh, the workshop. The workshop. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. I listened to everything else to get through it, but I mean, wait for it for me, hands down. Yeah. And, and, and Leslie is of it, like his restraint and his skin is his calm and he's just so coiled. And I think that's really what makes that song is, is when you can show us how much you can sing, but when you don't, right. You, know, you save that for room where it happens when it's just, and just listening to it over and over again. And, and of course I can relate to it given my background, you know, my whole career is just keep moving forward and wait for it, man. Just keep, keep doing it. Just keep moving forward one foot in front of the other. Right, and, and when I heard that, I said, "Yeah, no matter what, I'm gonna find a way. I have to be a part of the show." It's so funny, you know. Like for for me, 
I think everybody has a different song or something that clicked with them. And when I was watching the show, watching you guys at the public from the, you know, from the first note, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I love it. But when we got to Satisfied and I saw how the story was being told in a completely different way and everything was being, you know, the the timeline was being messed with and the, the song was a part of that. I was like, oh, this is changing the medium that I love. This is changing musical theater. And uh, every song is going to be a new way that they're opening up the world of, of storytelling on a stage. Yeah, and it, it was thrilling. Abs, abs, did, you, did you listen to any of the music before you show it at the public? No. Nope. Great. That's so good. No, yeah, I didn't know anything. I, I always tell this story. Um, I didn't know, like I, Leslie and I went to college together, you know, so I was, mm-hmm. I got my tickets through Leslie and, um, we were on the train together, uh, and he was cutting a close to half hour. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, Gerald was like, well, maybe he's not until like, you know, halfway through. I was like, that's true. I was like, well, I know he shoots him in the end. So maybe he just comes out at the end. I don't know. <laughs> Little you know, I, do know. I was up. like, I was like, he's probably doesn't have to be there at half hour. You know, like not, and of course he's, he's the first, first one. You see. <laughs> I, so I was laughing from the very first note of Hamilton because I was dying laughing that he has, yeah. he has the first note, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And I always tried to, tried to get people to see the show without listening to the music before because people are so scared that, you know, it was such a coveted ticket that they weren't going to have the best experience while watching it. And I was like, you're gonna, it's gonna be around forever. You can see it again after listening to the music, but you can never see it for the first time without knowing the music if if you do that. Yeah, it's a whole nother, I tell people now to this day, I say, if you can avoid it, avoid it and just see it as is and really go and really go on, on the ride, really experience it. Talking about being on the ride, uh, you know, you can have a hit show, you can be in a long running show, but there is nothing that compares to the way that Hamilton unfolded on Broadway. Um, what did it feel like to be in that hurricane? And uh, specifically, how did your relationship to social media change? Because I feel like social media was such a strong part of Hamilton. How, what are your thoughts on social media after the Hamilton experience? Uh, Well, like the funny thing about it was I did not have a social media anything until right before Hamilton. And I just happened to get it because I was doing a play called The Royale at the the Old Globe in in San Diego. And that's when I made my social media account. Because previously I did the first national tour of American Idiot and everyone had a social media account. And everyone and like it, so everyone was like tagging, and this is still when it was early on. Right. And I was like, I don't really get it. I don't really need people all up in my business like that. But I made a conscious decision when I was in San Diego. I was like, you know what? Let me just get it because it's not gonna hurt. And that's another thing I'll say to any young actor or whatever, what have you. It's like, if it doesn't hurt, why not? If it's gonna help you, you're gonna learn, you're gonna grow from all those experiences. Like, why not? And that's what I said. Say yes and as much as you can, basically. Right. So I said, you know what? Let me say yes and and see what it is. So I made like a whole thing and I made my account and no one cared. <laughs> and then and then like Hamilton happened. And yeah, it was it was just kind of it was night and day. It was crazy to just see that like there are these many people who are engaging and sending love. And it's also an amazing way to get a direct uh a, a direct line of people to say, Hey, you ins- you inspire me so much. Hey, like there's Right now on my Instagram feed, there's this young boy whose mother reached out to me and he was going through, I think he had some type of cancer in his intestines or something like that. And he's going through all these surgeries and she would send me pictures and he listened to the music and I, would, and I sent back, I was like, that's great. And I think like last month, she just sent me an update. Like he just wanted, he, he wanted you to see that he's like, he got, he got the fuck back up again. He's back on his feet and he's doing uh-huh. it. Um, and uh, uh, it's uh, Marissa Hayden is her name. And, um, and it's like things like that, like without social media, she wouldn't, and the boy's name is Malik. She wouldn't have that direct line to me. And I wouldn't have the direct line and be like, oh, I am directly helping people. Yeah. 
in the little way that I can. Firefighters do it their way. You know, everyone does it that way. And I'm honored that we're in a profession where we can actually help people get through things. Right. You know, on a visceral level. And not everyone has that gift in their, in their profession, in their career. And social media kind of helps it immediately. People can tell you all the things that they're going through in an intimate way that they know that you'll see it. Um, and uh, that's the greatest thing that I, I take away from it is that you can really touch people's lives. Well, it, it's interesting that you talked about being in college and not really knowing why actors need to access their vulnerable side. You know, mm-hmm. you are super, to me, you're super vulnerable. You're open. You're very honest and forthcoming about where you're at. And um, clearly you've changed a lot. And, and And do you think that being an actor is the reason that you've changed or is it, is it the art that's made you a different person or do you think it's just a necessity of, of what you do? Uh, it's a hundred percent me being an actor and a necessity. I, I try and say, I think every human being at some point should study acting specifically Meisner training. I'm biased. I love Meisner training. It's my background. Um, but I think you should because when I would teach, I'd say, you are your instrument. A violinist, before they play, they tune it. And if the string is off, they make aware of it. Same thing with the pianist. Any other, any other profession, whether you're a construction worker, all your tools, whatever you use, you, ha- you know them intimately and you know how they work. We are our tool. So we'll only serve you to access yourself if you just know what your buttons are. Know what triggers you, what brings you joy, what brings you sadness, what brings you anger, what you, what you long for, what you don't, what you're afraid the, the, the more vulnerable and honest you are with yourself, the better access you have to yourself. And I think that for sure has, has made me grow, as, grow as a human because there's no way I can portray a character that's devastated because his dog died. I'm not crazy about dogs, but I would be devastated if like something happened to my sister. So it's like, I know what has meaning for me so I can make that one-to-one transfer. You know, I know what I really, really love. I may not be crazy about roller coasters, but I love comic books. So since I know what brings me joy, I can access that character. I can say, oh, it's like if someone gave me like a first edition of uh, uh, Incredible Hulk. The first time Hulk meets Wolverine. That, that, I'm like, that would blow my mind. Great. I know what will blow my mind. So now when I'm working, I know how to access that in myself. So like my vulnerability is, is directly related to, to studying acting. And when you study acting, essentially, if you're studying at the right place, you're just really studying yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you know this and I'm going to, I'm bringing it up cause I, I didn't tell you at the beginning cause I wasn't sure if you knew yet or not, but, um, because I talked a lot about this during Hamilton and told, told you, and you knew that I was in this process, Gerald and I just adopted a baby boy. Yes, I do know. And I am so, I got to go back to Hamilton. Uh, I was in New York for like 48 hours and I had this like emotional response um, to being in that building into in the at the Richard Rogers because so much of why I was there and you know I had, and my husband was back in Los Angeles and we were long distance was because of this because we wanted to get here and I so remember you and I talking about that and you probably having to listen to me complain about being away from my husband and and uh, we were good we were therapists for each other I think we for sure a while there. really were. Really. <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I it's just been such a it, it's such a cool thing to get to share in the happiness of of getting through that with different folks from my Hamilton family of you guys and and the folks on tour cuz you all knew how long we'd been on that journey so mm-hmm. thanks for helping helping us get there cuz now we got a really cute little baby boy Jimmy I'm so happy. I was so excited. When I saw you in the street, I was so, I, I was so excited that you were home. I was so excited yeah. you could be home and still do the show. Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it gave you time to be home with your husband and also gave you a chance to put some coin in that bank account right. for, for your baby. Yeah. It was like blessings on blessings on blessings. But um, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you know, it was just truly, it was a crazy special thing. And especially seeing where everybody's at, what Diggs is doing, what Leslie is doing and Cephas and, and Pips and Renee and Anthony, yeah. just seeing where, where, where everyone has gone and, and what they're doing with their lives and, and, um, and how it is. And just, and just realizing that came be, uh, directly from what everyone brought into it. 
right. what you brought into it allowed you to do it in LA so you can prepare for your baby. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like if you didn't do that, if you didn't do the kick-ass job you did in New York, they would just go with someone else in LA. You know, right. like every opportunity we have, it's it's kind of like Hamilton is like whatever you put into it. The show is so good, like all good art. It will kick back. It will kick it back to you if you show up and you do the work. Right. Um, and if you don't, then it will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It really, it's, it's about doing the work and it's also about uh, really finding a way to support each other. Because I, I think that, you know, what I realize is that, you know, through, through my Book of Mormon experience, the only people who will understand exactly what that was are the other actors yeah. who were in that. And I can say that I have an idea of what you guys went through, but the, you guys are going to take care of each other for the rest of your lives because no one can really understand what that moment in time was and that it all kind of rocketed you into the stratosphere at the same time. And you kind of, you have to hold on to each other. And I think you've all done that, such a good job of, of uh, staying close and, and taking care of each other and being a support system. I mean, but also we were able to do that all jokes aside, like just from the precedent that actually you guys said in the Book of Mormon, <laughs> you know, looking at what happened to you, what's like where Brian is at and Andrew and Josh, right. all of you guys. And really, like whenever when we're going through that, like you, your Book of Mormon was a reference point for us to be like, hey, you know, we can we can do this. We can do it well. We can still be grounded and kind and. and in loving to each other because the the other greatest hit like but you yeah you were the last really big hit on broadway like a massive hit on broadway yeah. and you were all able to stay like awesome beautiful great people who kept in touch and it was like oh yeah this is possible it doesn't yeah. have to poison you know no. success paint you or change you or jade you or any of those things right um so we i'm i'm really grateful to you and 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 your cast for for you know blazing the way well that is very sweet and you know i i think that it's really you, I think we were all old enough and mature enough and have been around long enough to understand how unique of an opportunity it was to be presented the gift of, of the artistic experience that we were having. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's not something that you should just kind of, you have to be present for it and take care of each other. And, and I'm, and I'm happy to say that I'm on many text chains with the book of Mormon casts and making inside jokes still eight years later. And I know you guys are as well. So that just makes me very, very happy. Yeah. And it's, it's like one thing I, I will say to like any, any young actor or whoever's listening, like that is the key. That is, that is, that is the key is to, just be, be kind and love on the people who you work with um, because that will get you through everything and anything because that's it. When, when those lights go up, your director's not on stage with you. Your choreographer isn't on stage with you. They're, like, it's just you and then whoever the fuck is across from you. And that's it. Right. You know, and that's all you have. And if you go up, you're praying that this person can <laughs> find a ass about way yeah. to bring you back or mm -hmm. can fill it or can some like you know it's just a lot of trust because yes. we will always mess up but what makes professionals professionals is like the audience will never know when we mess up and that's the thing you'll now you can't avoid it our job is to make sure you never know and that can only happen is if everyone is 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 ready to pick up any ball that's dropped um before we go you you are Oak. Your name is Oak, but you have a beautiful Nigerian name that I can't say properly. Would you, you please say it. say it properly for me? You can after I say it, you have to say it. Absolutely. Akidiete Onauduan. Akidiete Onauduan. Akidiete. Akidiete. Onauduan. Onauduan. That's it. All right. I'll just keep listening to you having just said it, um, recording it, and I'll practice it. And next time I see you on the streets of Los Angeles, I'll be perfect. Um, I really, truly appreciate who you are. And thank you so much for sharing your journey and where you came from. And uh, you're, you're a bright light. And you really do mean a lot to me. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for texting me and reaching out. It's so good to hear your voice, and I, I love you, dearie. I really do. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.